we want to thank you for your prayers. And that Saturday that we were out there all those hours, it was like being in an air-conditioned room. It was so cool. And it was just a miracle in the breeze of God. And we want to thank you for your prayers. But I believe something happened that day when Brother Lou would holler for us to get on our faces. It didn't matter to anyone whether it was the dirt or the gravel. We had got together and they were speaking rain. And the uh, two days before, he had even said, we've got to get to the point where if it rains and it's muddy, we'll throw ourselves in the, in the mud. But it doesn't matter. We are going to get on our faces before God. And I just believe, and I want you to believe, something happened to this nation. I believe that things have already happening. We've seen things already started turning. We've seen some things already being revealed. And the Lord says, I'm getting ready. He said Tuesday night intercession, I'm getting ready to tie the shoestrings of the enemy together. And they're going to be falling flat on their faces. Not only are those things that are hidden going to come to light. But the enemy is going to be tripping and we're going to be seeing God glorified. And God is going to be glorified in your life, in the life of your family. Amen. I want you to look with me. Well, you don't have to look there because of time. Let me just read it to you. But you can write this down or if not, you get the tape or get it on a computer later. Hebrews 11.23 in the NIV says this. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. They saw that he was not an ordinary child. And what I want to start off with today is I just want to remind you, you are not an ordinary child of the Most High God. And you know, so many times, God, he, right, underneath Moses, right underneath Pharaoh's nose, God was raising up a mighty man of God. And right underneath our noses, and, and even before the enemies that are trying to come against you, and the enemy that's trying to tear you down, right from underneath the nose of whatever affliction that has been trying to keep you down, God is raising up men and women right here in this place and all over this area and all over this city and all over uh, this state and nation. He is raising up people who are going to come up and be mighty in this last hour. The problem is, is that one of the things that, the thing that got me so much on this trip was the trip to the Holocaust Museum. If you ask me out of all the many things we did, this was the hardest. And of course, Holocaust, as you know, means burnt sacrifice in Hebrew. In Greek, it means uh, sacrifice. And we know that over six million Jews were killed. But the Nazis said this, and this is, this is a diary of the survivors of the Holocaust. And it says the victims were singled out, not for what they had done, but because the Nazis thought them inferior. And if there's anything that I hate, and if there's anything the Spirit of the living God and the blood of the precious Lamb who atoned for our sins hates, is when the enemy wants a child of God to feel inferior to anything or any other thing or anyone else. He does not want you to feel inferior. And so many people, as we know, Moses was called the friend of God. And he was the deliverer of Israel. But I wrote down a few things about Moses, this not ordinary child. Moses was abandoned. He was adopted. He was raised without his real father. He was raised in a sinner's home. He ran away from home. He was disowned from his family. He was a murderer. He was rejected by his people that he wanted to help, and he was even divorced. How many know he sounded like an American, not a Jew Hebrew? Huh? And here's this baby that was born that was ran off and had to live somewhere else, and, and all the things that he went through, and it was not an ordinary life. 
But how many of you know, even though there were so many things against him, and you might say today, God can't use me because there has been so many things against me. But even as God was able to use Moses, who even fought with him, saying, I'm a stutter, I can't do it, he won't listen to me. When Moses confronted everything and said everything to God as an excuse, God says, I'm not going to listen to your excuses because it's not about you. It's about who I am through you. You just yield to me and understand. I don't confront your past to tell you how I'm going to use you in your future. God is not going to confront America on his past to where it's going in his future. I still believe that God has a plan and a purpose for America. There is over 50, there is over 10 righteous in this nation who is fasting and calling like never before. There is 24 hours, seven days a week, prayer and fasting and intercession that God will heal America. God will deliver America. And I believe that God is raising up people right here in central Louisiana who is going to raise your voices to God and say, Moses, it is a new beginning and God is doing a new beginning in me and God is going to receive all the praise for what He's doing in my life. Now, one of the things that I I saw, one of the things, you got it on? This went around us the whole time that we were praying and interceding. And it says here about Moses that his parents were not afraid of what the king said. How many know it's time? It says 366 times, be not afraid. This is not time to fear what the Russians may do. It's not a time to fear about the Koreans or Iran. It's not time to fear about the Chinese. They're all showing their colors. But for over 6,000 years, we have seen the power of the hand of our God. And kingdom has raised up time and time again. And kings and princes and demonic men have stood up under the power of Satan time and time again. But when Moses finally went to God in chapter 6, it says, God, I have gone to Pharaoh. The people are saying, when are we going to be let free? You keep promising we're going to be free of our bondage? When are we going to be let go? When are things going to change for us? And it says that when Moses went back to God and said, God, how long before you do your word? How long before you perform your promises? How long before you change things? And in the Hebrew it says, God chastised and spoke harshly to Moses and said, Moses, what Pharaoh is in power temporarily, my people are in pain temporarily because I am going to take that which seems to last a lifetime, tear it down and bring my promises and my will into their life and what you're looking at is only temporarily because I'm going to redeem you from your pain, your sorrow, your past and all that the enemy has tried to use to tear you down. You hear me? The Spirit of the Lord is saying do not fear. Don't be afraid of what man, devil, or any tactic of the enemy can do against you or has tried to be used against you. Amen, church. We're not to fear. Job chapter 5. I love this scripture in the Living Translation. Job chapter 5, verse 10. It says, He gives rain for the earth and water for the fields. He gives prosperity to the poor. He gives the opposite what you think you're supposed to live with. He gives prosperity to the poor and projects those who, and protects those who suffer. He frustrates the plans of schemers. 
So the work of their hands will not succeed. Do you agree with me with that in the name of Jesus? That the schemers and those who are scheming against the nation, against the church, against our freedom in Christ, it says he, that their work of the hands will not succeed. He traps the wise in their own cleverness, so their cunning schemes are thrown away. They find it dark in the daytime, and they grope at noon as it were the night. He rescues the poor from cutting words of the strong, and he rescues them from the clutches of the powerful. And so at last the poor have hope, and the snapping jaws of the wild are shut. Look at verse 19. From six disasters he will rescue you. Even in the seventh he will keep you from evil. He will save you from death in time of famine and from the power of the sword in time of war. You will be safe from slander and have no fear, no fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine. Wild animals will be terrified of you. You will be at peace with the stones of the field and its wild animals will have peace with you. You will know that your home is safe and you will survey your possessions and nothing will be missing. You will have many children and your descendants will be plentiful as grass. You will go to the grave a ripe old age. Can I hear an amen? amen. As the sheaf of grain harvested at proper time. How many receive that promise in the name of Jesus that I am not going to move in fear of the report of the world or the report of the enemy? When it seems like the pressure is coming on harder is that God's going to get ready to receive more glory. You've just got to trust and rest on Him. How many of you know God's in control? Amen. Now, in, in, in Exodus chapter 5, verse 22, we won't go there, but we see that He was saying that God, God was saying, I am going to rescue. Psalms 96, verse 4 says, His terrible beauty makes the gods look cheap. How many of you know that the gods have no power against the might of the Lord? Amen. Now, I want you to see this other picture. It says, we are the shoes. We are the last witnesses. We are the shoes from the grandchildren and the grandfathers from Prague, Paris, and Amsterdam. And because we're not only made of fabric and leather and not of blood and flesh, each one of us avoided the hellfire. You see these shoes when you walk through the Holocaust Museum. All these shoes Thousands of them are lined up on each side and you have to walk between those shoes. As I walked between those shoes as they were honoring and they were talking about all of those who were killed in the Holocaust, I was thinking that if we would have seen Moses in his day get to the River Jordan and they would have piled up all them sandals but not wore out sandals like this, the Word of God says that their sandals never wore out and they grew with their feet. Can you imagine the over two million people who died in the wilderness not because they were held in captivity in the body. They were held captivity in their heart. And if there's something that God wants to do to America, to the body of Christ, is that at the end of our journey, our shoes are not piled up as victims, but our shoes are crowned with gold as victors in Christ Jesus. As I walked through those shoes, it was just a horrible, terrifying thing. And the word Egypt speaks of being confound and tied. And as we went into those train cars that you would have to, they would push them into, and many of them would die because of a lack of air. As you were in those cars and you could sense what it would feel like, them people being pushed and having to stand, 
And some of them testified for four days and four nights and they couldn't move around in that car and there was no water and it was hot in the summertime. It was cold in the wintertime and they were confounded. As I was thinking about the souls of those people, I keep thinking about the souls of God's children that we've been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. But yet there are so many that is bound and confounded to the lies of the enemy, to bondages and addictions. And they keep crying out, I'm heart, I'm tired. I don't feel like I can make it anymore. I feel like just quitting. I feel I feel like I'm overcome with the evilness. I feel like I'm overcome with this addiction. I feel like I can never break out of it. I don't see even why I have to go to church. I don't see why I have to even pray. I don't see what reading the Bible changes anything. I've tried it all before and it hasn't worked. But I want to say to you this morning, in the glory, in the name of Christ Jesus, that is not today. That today is a new day. And that every day with the Lord is a day that He reigns over. And He's a God that cannot lie. And His Word is a sword. And he is a triumph king. And in the times of frustration, in the times of anger, in the times of self-pity, you've got to push it aside and say in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I am not going to yield to this confinement and this pressure that's been coming against me. But I am going to come out of it victoriously in Jesus' name. It says, as Moses went before Pharaoh, and he was telling Pharaoh that he went before God, and he was saying, Father, you God, you, you revealed yourself, and you said that you were going to free the people. But the people are turning against me, and they are turning against you, and we don't know which way to go. But it goes on to say in the next chapter that God told Moses, Moses, I'm going to make you a God to Pharaoh. And that word God is a Hebrew word for master. And what, what God was saying was that what used to master you, and what what used to hold you in slavery is going to be reversed. And now I'm going to make you the master over the things that used to enslave you. And what God wants to do with His children. So we don't end this journey running a race and giving up and not having any rewards to our life and to the work here on this earth. God wants you to know. He is saying, I am making you a master over all the things that have enslaved you. And it doesn't matter if it's been 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years. I'm going to turn what used to enslave you. And now you're going to be able to enslave it. And what used to humiliate you, you're going to humiliate it. And I'm not going to allow the things that have put you down day after day, year after year, month after month, marriage after marriage, child after child. I'm going to make you the master to rule and reign with me. I'm going to give you the power and the authority to be the master over the circumstances. That's what he was saying. Do you know, God didn't have to tell them to throw that staff down when the evil magicians threw their down and they became snakes. As you know, Moses' snake ate up all of their snakes. You know why? It was a prophetic word that I'm going to eat up and swallow all that the enemy tries to conjure against you. All the enemy's best will turn around and just make it worse for them. God is getting ready to take those things that have been coming against your mind, coming against your heart. Those things that have been telling you you're not normal. Those things that have been telling you you're going down. Those things that have been telling you you cannot make it. He said, I'm getting ready to make you the master. And that word master means that you are upheld by the highest court to use authority and punish that which has punished you. That's what it means in the Hebrew. How many masters in life? Do you know what it says that we are to rule and reign in life? One translation says to rule and reign as masters in this life. You hear me today, church? Why? 
Why should the body of Christ be so bound to sin? Why should we still be bound to the old man when we have been raised to walk in newness of life? Why should we be bound to the curse when we've been promised the blessing? Why should we still be mastered by the things that have ran into our family's minds? Instead of mastering it and seeing breakthrough come. We are not the victims. We are the victors, the Word of God says. And even as God was promising, I'm going to cause you to be a master or a God to Pharaoh. And He is not going to hold you back and He is not going to pull you down. I want to tell you today, according to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 that we've been studying, Jesus has been speaking about the things that we do in our heart. It's not just, He said, if you even are angry with someone... You've committed murder. And I spoke a whole session on that, but I want to tell you something else today. If you've been angry with yourself and you have not forgiven yourself, you have committed suicide in your soul and God wants to deliver you from that today. If you are angry and mad at yourself... It says, if you are angry, you've committed murder. And we think about being angry with others, but how many times have we been angry with ourselves for a mistake we made 10 years ago? And we have murdered our future. And we have murdered those who are supposed to be connected with us and going into our future. Because we have been angry with ourselves, and therefore we cannot forgive ourselves and we cannot go forward. Do you hear me today, church? There are so many areas that we have done in our heart that God is saying, I want to use those of old who have died in their sin, who have died in their era, so we don't have to. Christ, listen to me, church, Christ paid the full price so that you don't have to pay for any of your mistakes and sins anymore. You might say, yeah, but I was raised in, a, in an abandoned home, so was Moses. I was raised in a sinner's home. My step-parents or my parents, those who raised me, were ungodly. So was Moses's. He was raised in all the ways of Egypt. I did things I was ashamed of. So did Moses. But yet when God got through with him like he's going to get through with you, he's going to better use you and raise up a generation. And also what I want to say about the Sermon on the Mount was Jesus was saying, and young people, listen to me. This is what Jesus is saying. I'm preaching to some who are bound today, but I want to talk to a few here today that you have been tempted to go into areas. Listen to me. Jesus said, don't even think about a lust in your heart or it's the same as committing it. Don't think about being angry or it's the same as murder. Whatever you do in your heart is the same as doing it. Let me tell you something right now. Some of you may be on the verge of doing something that you know you'll regret. Listen, what Jesus is trying to say is this. You, it is easier to tell the devil no and stop him now than get in it and get under bondage and then try to get out of it. Don't wait till you're locked up with a bunch of people in the same type of thing and saying, how are we going to get out of this? Before you start trying to figure out how to get out, just don't get in it. I'm telling some people here right now, before you start crying out, how can I get out of this? Tell the devil, no devil, I'm not even going in there. I'm not even going to bow and give in to those temptations. 
I don't have to live according to the flesh. I don't care what the statistics are. I don't care what's happening on TV. I don't care what's happening on TBN. All I know as it is in heaven, so it should be on this earth. We do not have to live our lives according to how some man or woman lives theirs. We don't live according to the status quo of America and the media. We live according to the eternal word and covenant of God that says that we can walk in the freedom that He gave us. You hear me, church? Now let's look at some more things here. You are not going to die in bondage. I want you to see this. At the very end of the three-story museum, you come into this big hall and there's this eternal flame. And right in front of the flame... It's all marble and there's a marble box and it holds ashes of victims of the Holocaust. And it says, Deuteronomy 4.9, Only guard yourselves and guard your soul carefully, lest you forget the things your eyes saw. And lest these things depart your heart, depart your heart all the days of your life. And you shall make them known to your children and to your children's children. Do you hear why their ashes are crying out? Don't forget what your eyes see. Don't forget the testimonies of these who died and perished without hope. Lest you come to face the same thing. You hear me today, church? These are witnesses. It says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as witness today against you. I have set these things before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life or blessing that both you and your descendants may live. When you leave the Holocaust Museum and they give you these bags, And it says, think about what you saw the next time you see injustice, the next time you witness hatred, the next time you hear about genocide. Think about what you saw. I would love to have bags like this in our future bookstore. Think about what you see the next time you see someone dying of AIDS or drugs. Think about what you see the next time someone is living under the bridge because of an addiction and a stronghold that's held them down. Think about what you see the next time you hear of someone once again having to fall for this or fall for that because something has happened in their life to tear them apart. The Word of the Lord is trying to tell us that He has not given you a new life to live a new life in a life of bondage. But He said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And He wants us to see and know and understand and meditate and get in our hearts and mind and get up like Moses and say, I know that the power of God is behind my life and I'm not going to allow the power of the enemy to keep me down and keep me in any area of bondage anymore. How many want to be free here this morning? How many truly want to be free? How many? Raise your hand. How many truly want to be free? He says, I call heaven and earth against you or before you today. How many want to be free in every area of your life? Raise your hands if you want to be free today. If you want to live a life that's free, raise your hands before God. I want to be free. I want to walk free. I want to glorify my God. I want to live in freedom. I want to glorify my God in a life that
that's pure and holy. I want to live a life that's pure and holy. I want my thoughts to glorify God. I want my heart to glorify God. I want my words to glorify God. I want my life to glorify God. I want my marriage to glorify God. I want my finances to glorify God. I want my health to glorify God. I want all that's within me to glorify my God. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. To glorify my God. Look. Inside the barracks there, where sometimes Twitty would have to sleep on a bunk. He says the first they came, listen now, first they came for the socialist. And I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the train unionist. And I did not speak out because I was not a train unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. But then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me. Did you hear this week? Hallmark is starting to sell same-sex marriage cards. I got a Hallmark card. I'm not going to be quiet about it. I'm going to call everybody I can call. I'm going to talk to everybody I can talk to to say, I bring my children to Hallmark. And I'm offended at these same-sex married cards because it's an abomination before my God. We just sit there. We have not spoken out for years, and that's why in the 60s, 73 prayer, the 60s, prayer was taken out of the school and so was Bibles. And America has never been the same since. Why? We didn't speak out. But while there's still voices to speak out like you, like you, we need to speak out this next election. We need to speak out when we hear of these things happening because you know why? The same spirit that's behind Hitler, guess what? It's still around looking for anybody else it can move through. And we have to be on guard and we have to watch it. Proverbs 16, 6 says, By mercy and truth, iniquity. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Thank God for mercy to hold us up while we're learning truth in our hearts. But by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. We have to not only preach the truth, we have to live the truth. I could be up here today and just telling you all kind of good stuff and nice stuff and sweet stuff. But how many know if we're going to see the bondage is broken, we've got to touch where the bondages are. We pointed the finger outside the church have been so religious for years where the truth is there was the incest and the sin inside the church and the deacons and the elders and sex in the uh, offices just like it was in the world. So it has been in the church. But it's time to speak up and touch the bondages and break them in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Breaking those things in Jesus' name. We can reject His covenant, but we cannot reject His terms. The birth of Moses... Signified a new beginning. And I believe that is a new beginning for Washington. First Peter 2.19 says, But you are a royal gener- chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and his own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10. Who were not once a people, but are now. Somebody shout now. Shout now. 
Now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now, shout out now. Shout out now. Now have obtained mercy. How many know it's time to get out of Pharaoh's hand and start exercising the mastery over the enemy? Amen. Now it says in Exodus 7 through 9, it says that the Lord says, I have heard the cry of my people. Say cry. He has heard the cry of his people. If there's ever been a time we've got to learn to cry out and pray to God, it's in the midst of our bondage, our bondage and our nation's bondages to see it broken. If there's ever been a time we've got to cry out because that's what the Lord hears. Judges 10, 15 and 16 says, The people of Israel said to God, We've sinned. Do to us whatever you think best, but please get us out of this. Then they cleaned house. They what? They cleaned house. The Lord keeps coming back to this. They cleaned house of the foreign gods and worshipped only God. Now listen what it, how it ends there in verse 16. And God took Israel's troubles to heart. God took Israel's troubles to heart. When? When they cried out seriously, like, I am tired of this field. I am ready to get this over with. In Matthew 26, verses 38 through 39, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he fell on his face and he was shaking and bleeding. And he fell on his face and he cried out, My Father, my Father. He cried out and he came back and it says he went and prayed three times. Sometimes whatever you're going through, you're going to have to pray until you get the breakthrough. You know why? Because prayer brings the strength you need to get out of what you're in. Whatever is going to try to kill you says that after he prayed, God, after the third time, God sent angels to strengthen him. You're going to get the strength to get out of what you're in, but it's going to come through crying out to God in prayer. Now I want to leave you with Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Because I feel like this is so important for us to get a hold of if we're going to get our breakthroughs and we're going to break some bondages. And I know there's some people here, you want to break, your, you want to break bondages, Amen. Back in the middle 80s, Dr. Youngie Cho, who's got a church of almost 800,000 people, came to the States and he taught a message that revived his church. And it was the prayer of our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It was how to use that prayer as a model to pray an hour. Then in 86, Dr. Larry Lee, he went ahead and he wrote a book on how to tarry an hour and how to use the Lord's our Father's Prayer, as a model on how to pray. So many people today are saying, I don't know what to do to get out of this mess. I need counseling. I need deliverance. I need somebody to help me. I need the right books. I need the tapes. Yes, you need all of those things. But what I'm going to give you is free from the throne of God. Because when God brought His disciples together, they said, teach us to pray. They knew that the power Jesus had to overcome the power of the enemy came through prayer. And listen, He says, my house will be called a house of prayer. And listen, there is not going to be revival. There's not going to be breakthrough. There's not going to be miracles. There's not going to be signs and wonders. And it's going to be because we have not become the people of prayer that we are called to be. And we're wandering around like chickens without a head, trying to figure out what are we to do next? Where are we to go next? How can we overcome? What can we do? And the problem is, is that we have become a people of fascination and not a people of prayer. And so I want you to look with me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Verse 9, they said, teach us how to pray. And he said, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us every one. For yours is the kingdom and the power for the glory forever. Amen. Now I want you to take a few quick, few quick notes as I leave you this with you today. First of all, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed means may your name be lifted up and esteemed, praised, honored, and treated with respect. Our Father which is in heaven, may your name be sanctified. Psalms 8 verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Psalms 29 2. I ascribe to you, Lord, the glory due your name. I worship you, Lord, in the splendor of your holiness. Psalms 34, 3. Glory the Lord, glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Then in Psalms 103, verse 5, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Forget not all of his benefits and forgive all my sins and heal all my diseases. Thank you that you redeem my life from the pit and crown me with love. In compassion, you satisfy my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Say with me, hallowed be your name. Our Father. That, I want to give you some things that the Bible says our Father is. First of all, our Father says, Father, Creator. You worship Him. Father, I worship You as my Creator, and I worship You as the Creator of the way out of this situation that I'm in. I thank You for creating the things that I need for my life. He is Father, Creator. According to the Word of God, and I've got scriptures here, he's, he's a father friend and father counselor. You can't go wrong with that father's counsel. He's a father of comfort and he's a father of mercy. He's a father of forgiveness and he's a father of love. He's a father to the single. He's a father to the fatherless. He's a father to the disciplined. And he's a father defender. Aren't you thankful that you have all of those to call upon? I praise you, Father, that you are my counselor, my friend. I thank you that you're my comforter. I thank you that you lead and guide me and comfort me in all the areas of my life. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's with me. Father, hallowed be thy name. You are set apart. You're Jehovah Tiskanu, my righteousness. I thank you that you're Jehovah Rapha, my healer. You're Jehovah Rohe, my shepherd. I thank you that you're Jehovah Nisi, my banner of love. I praise you that you are my, you are my righteous king, my righteous Lord, and I've been made right through you through the blood of Jesus. I honor you above all things. I exalt you and your word above all things. And I magnify you. And what we have to do every day is we've got to start our day. Hallowed be your name, Father. I praise you that you're my Father and my God. And number two, we've got to say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Many of you were taught these things. And you may say, well, that was back then. Listen, this is a something that will never go out of style. This is something that you can never put to the side. When you start praying, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Your kingdom and will be done in my family's life. Your kingdom be done on this earth with myself, with the spiritual leaders, with my family, relatives, governmental leaders, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, influential leaders in the business, education, media entertainment, church and family uh, mountains. Lord, for the president, vice president, cabinet members, the appointed and silver employees, the senators, congressmen, justices, governors, lieutenant governors, legislators, commissioners, state legislators, 
uh, senators, poor, the orphans, the widows, the oppressed, the incarcerated, the soldiers and their family. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your rulership be extended and your kingship and righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost move throughout my family and through our government. Then he goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread. It says to seek him first and to pray that he will meet all of your needs physically, spiritually, financially, and emotionally. Amen. Then he goes on to say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There he talks about living a lifestyle of purity. Father, forgive me for where I have sinned. And Lord, if I hold anything against anyone, I release them and I forgive them now in Jesus' name. Forgive others and be purposeful to reconcile yourself and decide how to forgive them in the future to stand clean before the Father. Then he goes on to pray. And Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, keep us. Keep me. From the places where I would go and stumble and fall. Not listen to me. Not only pray, Lord, keep me from the temptation. Listen to me, church. Keep me from going to the places where I know I will be tempted. I don't know why I fall so easy. Why do you keep going around the same people? I don't know why I keep doing the same thing. Why do you keep going around people who are doing the same thing? Amen. Lead me. He ain't leading you there. Your flesh is leading you there. And that opens the door for bondage. Well, Lord, why did you let it happen? Why did you go there to let it happen? Remember, when Moses went complaining to Pharaoh about what was going on, God says, uh-uh, Moses, this ain't my fault. This is you, the people's fault. God is perfect. Why haven't you been praying? Lord, help me not to go. Lead me to the places I'm not supposed to go where I know I'm going to stumble and fall and hold me up in the times of temptation. Lord, we submit our lives to you and ask you for protection that we need. This is the moment we put on the helmet of salvation and the armor of the Lord that we're able to resist the temptations of the enemy. Thank you, Lord. For example, Lord, I praise you that you are, are, are giving me strength against sexual temptation, giving me strength against the temptation to quit, against the temptation of ambition or money or whatever the temptation may be. I thank you that you are leading me and guiding me into your word to take a hold of your promises that I am not falling and I am not failing in these areas in Jesus' name. Amen. And then he goes on to say, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. I acknowledge the power of God in my life. I'll acknowledge the authority of God in my life. I thank you, Lord, I yield to your authority. Therefore, your kingdom is being manifested in the areas of healing and of joy and of peace. I thank you that, Lord, the bondages are being broken off of my life because, Father, you said that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. James said to pray that we not fall into temptation. So, Father, I see in your word that, Lord, I'm not, going, I'm not crying out because I'm in this bondage. I'm crying out because I have not yielded to a lifestyle of prayer and fasting and seeking you and I repent for being cold hearted and I repent for being so lukewarm and I repent for not wanting to change my ways and I repent for being a rebellious child and I repent for stumbling and falling because I'm not putting you first and foremost Lord I repent that I am not breaking and 
killing those things around my life that is causing me to fall. Lord, I give me the strength to take those things that is opening the door for me to fall and tear them up. Lord, if I have to get a sledgehammer to the TV, get a sledgehammer to the computer, if I got to get away from certain people, whatever I've got to do, I thank you for the strength to get it done. Because Lord, I want to live a life that's right before you. I want to live a life that's pure before you. Lord, I don't want to be part of the crowd that's going to be separated from the goats and the sheep. I want to be part of the sheep who are going to be welcomed in as a faithful, loving son and daughter of the Most High God. I am not going to be yielding to the temptations to speak, to murmur, to complain. But I'm going to stand on the Word of God and stand on the standard of holiness and purity. Amen, church. Amen, church. Amen, church. Amen, church. If we do not speak the truth now, what will we do when the privilege of truth is taken away? If we don't break the bondages of now, how are we ever going to live a life that's peaceful and fruitful before God? Amen? Hallowed be thy name. Someone asked Billy Graham, what's going to be your last words? He says, it's going to be this three times. Pray, pray, pray. I've got a picture of Billy Graham right over at my, my desk. I've got a little card there. Because that's a man of God that for all these generations has a perfect testimony before the world, before the church, and before heaven. And if there's something I want to leave this earth with, I want to leave this earth with a perfect testimony before heaven and before earth that before my children, before my wife, and before my friends, and before my God, I prayed and I lived to the best of my ability that my lifestyle was pleasing to the Lord. No, I'm not perfect. Brother Graham says he's not perfect. But I am not satisfied with any indications of bondage on my life. And I am not satisfied in the church of Jesus Christ that hell cannot prevail against living underneath the bondages because we refuse to humble ourselves and pray and see our land and see our lives healed. We have prayer on Tuesday night. If there was another night that would be better for you, you let us know. This house can be opened every night. Why? Because this is called to be a house of prayer. We have Bible schools once a month, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And if you don't have the money, we invite you. Come on anyway. Tuesday night prayer, Wednesday night church, Thursday night, Friday and Saturday Bible school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. The only night this church ain't open is on Monday. And usually somebody's doing something somewhere. There is the opportunity. The question is, how bad do you want to get free of that which is keeping you bound? You saw the pictures. We were willing to get down in the gravel and the dirt. Yes, it hurt. But you know what? Hell hurts a lot. When we were on them gravels, Jake, it hurt. But it was just a few minutes. Hell is an eternity. I want you to dim the lights.